Hello, podcast fans. Welcome back to another episode. It's episode 128 of the Agile Podcast. In this one, Jeff and I stumbled across a lovely pub called The One Ton in London, a pub that has some history, goes back hundreds of years. And we got talking about a question, a question from one of our patrons, uh, Per Muller. And in that question, he was asking us about how do you motivate a team when a team's been away from their office for nearly two years of a pandemic and they're particularly low in energy and uh, almost apathetic towards the company's purpose. So that um, evolved quite a bit of conversation and you'll hear the full debrief in this episode. We hope you're enjoying these. We'd love you to recommend the podcast to a friend, maybe share it, share the link, and maybe they'll become a patron too. And uh, let's get on with it, shall we? Let's play the jingle. Cheers, bud. Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome back. In I'm not wearing a microphone. Should I be wearing a you microphone? You probably should be wearing a microphone. That would help. Just go again. <laughs> That's one for the bloopers. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome back. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> yes. Um, we are in London town. London Village. Farringdon area. In a pub called the One Tonne which I believe from small amount of research is the pub that was referenced by Dickens Correct. in On a Twist. On a Twist. But he renamed the pub, didn't he? Oh yeah, he didn't call it the one time, he called it something else. But something like was... the three nipples or something like that, wasn't it? Three, three pickles. I'll, I'll, I'll go with you, you on that one. But it was... Um, yeah, a famous pub. It's an old pub and it's um, it's nice. Lots of animals dressed as humans. It was established in 1759, I know that much. It's an old pub. So that's 300, near 350 years ago. What is a tonne? Isn't it's, it a, is it a, a it's unit? A barrel. It's a barrel of beer. Yeah. What's the whole thing about... Uh, uh, animals dressed as humans. Where did that come from? Don't know. You Don't can know. research that. While I say... I want to find the, the first fact first about... Uh, it was the three cripples, not the three nipples. <laughs> I was close. I was close with the three nipples, but it was the three cripples. Oh, I'm so glad this isn't a free-for-all podcast <laughs> anymore. This is just our friends that listen to this. Yeah. Well, it's just a fact. Well, it was called the three cripples. I mean, that's not, that's not politically correct, is it's it? It's not, but... It That's was, what it was called. It's one of Saffron Hill's most historic pubs. The three pubs. All right, let's stop saying Well, it. no, but so Cockney Rhyming Slang is Raspberry Ripple, isn't it? Is it? Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> um, talking about our friends, we, we need to drink a toast to three more. Yes. So, Julia, Julia Dacre. Hello, who, Julia. Who is our, our latest supporter. We've got Rich Livett, who is our latest subscriber Richard and Francesco Bianchi who has re-subscribed as well, a legend welcome back and thank you Frankie thank you to all of you mm-hmm what was I we're on the again? spirits here you, you carry on with the wire animals dressed as humans dogs 
um, it's, a, it's a curious thing that is one of my wife's pet peeves. It would be on her Room 101. What? Animals dressed as humans. She absolutely hates it. Now, that might not be something that translates outside of the UK, the Room 101, but the pet peeve thing. Um, it actually came up in a workshop that I was doing online. Not online. In real time. In real, with real people. Getting ahead of myself, I was about to say what we were drinking. I'm drinking a gin and tonic. Paul is drinking a vodka and diet coke. Now, on to what I was talking about. Many, many, t- many episodes ago, I'm trying to think probably about, I'm going to guess episode 50. Yeah. Was probably around about the time when I was on the island. Okay. And this week I was, I was on site with a client for a couple of days doing a workshop. Um, and it was around, you know, how can we improve our ways of you know, collaborating and working together? And started talking about how, when I was put on this island with a bunch of strangers, how we didn't have the luxury of having a, you know, a team bonding session, mm-hmm. team chartering session, and you know, trust falls, and yeah. walking over hot coals, and all that kind of stuff. We were just put on there, never met each other before, and you have to make your own shelter, find your own food type yeah. thing. And my instinctive reaction was, okay, I might not be able to be the perfect campmate, but if there's one way that I could avoid being the worst campmate, mm-hmm. what would that be? So mm-hmm. we talked about you know, our pet peeves, if there's one thing that really, really annoys us. Um, and that, I think that's a... That's a it's a, it's a low bar, but I think it's a good bar. And it's also not necessarily something that someone is doing or will do. It's just saying something that you could do that might annoy me. And that's, that's, that's a really good point, because the earlier you have that conversation, the less that's like inflammatory you it is, mm. because it's not something that has happened. It's not something that's in the past. Or, yeah. That you're then you know, bringing to the surface and personalising it. Is it difficult to know, though, what really annoys us until, until it annoys us? Yeah, it's but we've got life experience. You've yeah. got, I don't know, 62 years worth of life experience, 62? <laughs> 62. I'm another hard paper in. Yeah, I put um, a paper on crow's feet. No, but you, you've, had that, you've had that experience of other it, situations. To ask me now what really annoys me, I'm trying to think of something now, what are the... What that would be? Really? Yeah. I mean, I know you're you're fairly. I mean, as as people go, you are calm. I'm quite quite laid back. Yeah, almost horizontal. Mm. One thing that does annoy me, which came up the other day, which I was talking about with a friend, was um, food-based decision making. Okay. So looking at a menu, um, I can within ten seconds to twenty seconds. I know what I want. Yeah. I can't abide people that take a long time to decide on food. So if you're on your desert island, yeah. and if you were kind of thinking, oh, on the menu tonight we might have slugs, yeah. or scorpion, uh-huh. or, um, I don't know, witchetty grub. Yeah. I said, oh, just come on, Jeff, just make a scorpion. scorpion. <laughs> exactly, I, I like that. Yeah. And it, what annoys me is when people... But know, equally, if... If you had selected Wichity Grub and somebody else has selected Scorpion, I'll have the slug. Okay. I don't care. Okay. 
Fair enough. Um, but no, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to make a call. I think it's just easy decisions for me. T- taking time to make easy decisions winds me up. Hmm. Anything else winds you? What would be your pet peeve? So, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is timekeeping. You don't like people being late? I do don't like people being late. I, I, I do like keeping to time. I like making good use of time. I hate wasted time. Mm. That's because true. that is one thing that you cannot get back. Mm-hmm. Time. Mm-hmm. We are, that is the one limited resource of all for me. Yeah. Um, so there's that. Um, and then I suppose I'm, I'm, I'm looking for a slightly more politically correct word than dishonesty mm-hmm. because I'd rather somebody told me something that I didn't want to hear but be honest about it mm-hmm. and tell me something that I, that I wanted to hear dishonestly mm-hmm. um, and I, I would say that probably loops back to my time thing because I'm going to find out eventually I'd rather yeah. find out now mm. So that, but when we were on the island, what I said to them was, um, I can't remember the exact thing, but it was, it was something along the lines of putting, doing your best. Mm. Um, so we are there, and if we were all selfish, we would all fail. Mm-hmm. So doing working together mm-hmm. if, you, if you were working against the team mm-hmm. then that would be my pet peeve um, so yeah mm. we actually had a question oh for a podcast question a podcast question okay from Per mm-hmm. Per Muller he said um Things are taking a lot longer than normal, and he's noticing lower motivational levels and general antipathy towards the company. Mm-hmm. So, sort of meh mm-hmm. feeling. Uh, what what should he try? Now, before before we came here, we we managed to throw a question back in. So, what has he already tried? Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's already tried, you know, just hold the mirror up. Mm-hmm. This is what I'm noticing. Uh, he's tried a bit of a kick, re-kick off team relaunch type thing. Yeah. He's tried shaking up the teams. Um, what else? What else could we do, or could he do, to you know raise those? energy levels get things going again get get things speeding up again mm-hmm. what do you think what's your instinctive response to that I think if I was going deeper into this I'd be asking what how what what determines his own you know, how would you assess your own energy levels okay I'd be that was my instinct and again it's probably because I was, something I was talking in about in the view that he might be saying he might be expecting different levels of energy than the team are well it's, it's just that the things that you've tried already are you are those are, is your energy as high as you think it is okay. or is are you reflecting what you're trying to to um, to to 
bring to the team in what you're doing yourself. And you can't you can't take yourself out of the equation, can you? So there's well, you can try and you can try and be more aware of it, but the, your expectations, your defaults, your preferences are going to come through in, in how you see things. And so, from my perspective, my instinctive response is customer connection because one of the things that I really value and one of the things that I get mm. kicked from is knowing that what I'm doing is actually appreciated by the people that I'm doing it for. Mm. But that's just me, not everybody has that connection. So, um, you know, my, my, if I was in that position, I'd probably be thinking, so actually, could I get some closer contact between mm. the people who are, who are receiving what this team is doing? Mm. Or at least position it more clearly in that context. But that that's probably because I'm biased in that area. Mm. I think again, I'm I'm very I'm aware now. I'm going to name this and own this that I'm very aware of what I've been working on this week, which was a coaching conversation with a group this week where this a similar thing topic came up. Okay, so I'm at risk of here of repeating and, and being biased toward that. But I think time, the timing of this is quite relevant in terms of the whole pandemic and is it now called an endemic? I don't yeah. know the idea of, of coming out of that. And it's not surprising that energy levels are not what we think they should be. Um, and our own energy levels are generally have been worked uh, quite hard over the last two years mm -hmm. and I think I think some people have found a different en they get their energy in different ways or, or realise that they find their energy energy in different ways through this whole process and I would think I've certainly noticed where I get my energy from and where I think for a scrum master or for any any coach you've got to be even more aware where, where other people get their energy. I don't think we can assume that everyone gets their energy in the same way. And we have to tailor our facilitation and how we deal with these things to be more open to the idea of people get energy in different ways. And, and some people will want to go home and sit and recharge in front of the TV. Some people will want to be back in the office and, and having a, you know, sharing a pizza with their teammates. Mm. That's how they get their energy. And I think it's all a bit different now. I think it's, I think it's less, I think it's more varied. And I, th I think maybe our approach to finding energy has to be a bit more honest about, you know, how many, how many, how many scrum masters actually sit down and ask their teams, where do you get your energy from? Or what gives you energy? Mm. Is it what I wonder. I'm not saying Pear hasn't done this in this case. No, absolutely. I mean, we, <clears throat> I should probably be really transparent here in that, so Pear asked this question before the political situation in Russia, Ukraine. Mm. Mm. And so where am I going with this? Well, a lot of people look to their company, their organization, and we only really find out what people, what companies stand for mm. when we 
stressful situations. Yeah, it? yeah. And I think you, know, you, you see a lot of, or we're seeing a lot at the moment, of companies that are making some very bold decisions to support ethical viewpoints. Mm-hmm. Value-driven viewpoints. Yeah. And that has a massive impact. Not necessarily always in the same direction. But it's a massive impact on the people that are working there. It says a lot for the alignment of your personal values and, your, and, and, and the values of the organisation you're working for. Yeah. Now, obviously, we don't want to wait for dramatic World War X yeah. events to be able to work that out. But if we can increase the alignment between what individuals value and what the organisation values, then that will naturally increase or well, it will reduce the antipathy, which was the final part of what Mel Pair was asking for. Mm-hmm. Um, as a this might sound really flippant it, to me it's not flippant because I, I know the people involved but you and I were, were did a workshop for an organisation last week who um, you know, they, they, they hadn't seen each other for a long time and since the last time they had seen each other face to face there been some quite significant organisational change um, and they they're trying to do a bit of a I'm not sure what the, what the right word would be really but it there's a there's a sense of alignment there's a sense yeah. of you know, consolidation celebration but also that sense of you know just reaffirmation I suppose is, is, is the best word that comes to mind and so there was a mixture of improvement there was a mixture of celebrating the successes they've had in difficult times there mm-hmm. was an element of getting to know each other again some people had joined and they haven't ever yep. met anybody but also that 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 sense of um, alignment with a, with a bigger a bigger mission a bigger sense of purpose so we were there for, for the almost work day, Mm -hmm. if you like. Mm -hmm. And then the next day was where everybody, 50, 60, 70, 80 people, I'm Mm -hmm. quite sure the Mm -hmm. number of people, they were all getting involved in a a charity day. So they were all donating their time for for volunteering, for for a a non-profit, a good cause putting their time and energy into something that wasn't work-related, that, that meant something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's... I don't remember doing that where we were. No. The closest that we came to that was sort of going into schools and doing a bit at yeah. schools. Yeah. But um, I think that's a massive part of increasing that motivational level because it's, it, it's, it's a big... St- line in the sand, a stake in the ground saying, we're paying for all your time here. Yeah. Not not to increase stakeholder shareholder value, 
but to do something good in the world. Mm. I think a lot more companies now are, are are moving in that direction. So, trying to make a a difference. If if you if you have the imp- ability to make an impact as a company, then it's not like you said. It's not just about bottom line. It's about how can we add a greater sense of um, just just being better, making the world a better place. It's, it's a cliche, but whether it's ecological or, or um, you know, kind of a green element to it, trying to bring what, what, what we've got, how can we make that, make use of that and, and better in the world? I think it's, um, it gives, it, it, it pushes on other personal values, doesn't it? Mm. Which taps into your workforce in a slightly different way. And it could be something as, as simple as, you know, raising funds, um, for the for the families in Ukraine, I know. So my wife, who's a, a Pilates instructor, as you know, so she's working with a group of other Pilates instructors. She's she's made contact with a Ukrainian Pilates instructor instructor, and they are trying to. They found her a a work placement in the UK for her and her family. So that fulfills kind of the the visa element of the um, the. Uh, the Ukrainian stipend, yeah, the, the criteria that she has to fulfil, and now they just need to find her somewhere for six. I think it has to be six months. They have to provide six months worth of, of living living accommodation okay. for her and her family to come and work in the UK. And it's and it's and it's something that's given my wife and a group of others a a, a different. Yes, it's still intrinsically linked to what she's doing, but it's a different purpose. It's it's a different benefit. Yeah. Because people um, need help, and you know, it's 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 like you said, it's attaching to people's personal values in different ways. Yeah, I mean, you, you use the word cliche. It is cliche to to see an opportunity and a challenge, but yeah, that that is where, in my experience, take take the extremes of the world, such as war, mm-hmm. for example, out the equation, and say just difficult challenging problems to be solved that's where yeah. teamwork forms that's where bonds form relationships form and trust forms so I'm not I've, I've never encouraged people to manufacture those situations but if there is the opportunity for you know, a really challenging piece of work yeah then you, know, you could look at it as I could fail here but the opportunity to, to, to build something and then to grow something out of it is, is, is huge. And it's been a while, and, and relatively early on, I was quite inspired to hear the stories of you know, care packages going to homes yeah. and, and just keeping people feeling connected and, mm-hmm. and, and cared for and thought of. Um, and it, what's good for me is that that hasn't been a, a one-off fad mm. you know um, even a couple of weeks ago I was asked to give something to a care package that was going to be sent out and the fact that it's still going on mm. is is important I think because mm. it's so easy to feel isolated mm. 
it's a silly little thing, but I know um, I, I organised one of these cameo calls for for your birthday party. Okay. Birthday. Yeah. Where you yeah you, you pay a couple of pounds and you get some famous person to send to send you a, a funny video message. Just little things like that shows thought, care, and personalisation. I think it's really important. It's been a long time now that we, uh, a lot of people have been isolated. And I think it's, it's really brought it home to me the last, say, three or four weeks, where, for me, things are, are close to what I would consider to be normal. Mm. So this is my fourth... This will be my fourth hotel in two weeks. <laughs> That's the old normal yes. for me. Mm. And I'm, I'm aware going to these different places. So you know, in the last six weeks, I've been to four different companies where this has been the first time that they've seen each other in yeah. over two years. But it's been quite emotional for them. Yeah, I think, and I, I've noticed and uh, a, a change to the requests that I'm getting, which tend to be um, prefixed with that, we, we want to get people back together, we want to, to reconnect, whatever the word you use, but we want to, we're seeing this as an opportunity now when, certainly in the UK, not everywhere, but um, restrictions have been largely removed, mm-hmm. almost completely, I think, pretty much. If, not so much UK, but certainly in England. I know things are, are different in the in other places but and a lot of people, companies have come to me saying we want a, a reason we want an opportunity this is an opportunity to re-establish what we want what we are uh, as a workforce yeah. and to, we've and so many companies have said to me we've become fractured and online working as much as it's been a saviour for many companies and for many organisations yeah, I, I can't help thinking it has fractured many organisations because you cannot sustain a workforce pure. I don't think purely on in an online way. You can you cannot keep connected in the same way that you can that we are in, in the same room now. I don't think you can, not over a long period of time. No, and I was I, I had a few, quite a few conversations with people in the last couple of weeks about working with them. Uh, and just today, actually, this evening, before you, before you arrived, I was chatting to um, somebody who was looking for some work, and mm-hmm. they were the people they were looking for some support for were very geographically distributed, and that was part of their hiring strategy because it's very difficult to hire people and so on. Um, and so they said, you know, would, "Would I be interested in a purely remote session?" or 90% of people physically co-located and 10% of people not. Yeah. That's well, a really interesting situation because my instinct would be I'd rather have them all face-to-face. Yeah. Yeah. So given that that's not one of the options, I'm looking at those two and think, well, if, if 90% of people were in the same place, then those 90% would get more value. Yes than if they weren't. But then the 10% of people would get less value than if everybody was remote. Mm. And it's a real trade-off 
it's a real trade-off. It's yeah. Real, it's, it's really challenging. And this came up this week. So, so again, so a company that I've been working with this week, who have now looking to try and get people back in the office. And they were talking about how do you get people engaged. There's, there's a few people that still um, are quite attached to being at home online for genuine reasons, um, and for but but for some of them are for personal choices. But they're trying to encourage more time back in the office, yeah. reconnect with people. And one of the scrum masters made a really valid point is that they've just taken the stance now that they in a meeting they purposefully don't accommodate the online audience. Okay. They will tailor their session for, if, if the, like you said, if there are 90% of the team in the room, this session is tailored to make sure that 90% gets the value from this. I'm sorry if you're online. It sounds terrible, but we're not going to... My instinct was initially that you have to tailor everything you're doing to the, to the online element, which could only be, like say, 10, 20% of the team. But this is, if we want this to be successful as, an, as, a, as a team meeting, I'm sorry, but we're going to have to focus on this as an as a in-person event. If you're online, great, but you're not going to get the benefit. Now, and that, that's as a way to try and encourage people back into the office to try and get people back involved. And, so. and, and just... You know, not compromising on what you want to do because there's an online element to it. I suppose that, that largely depends on the, the, the waiting. So, I mean, I, 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 I've written about Manu Ciccarelli's view of remote first. In, in, yeah. It's easier for people who are physically co-located to tailor what they're doing to an online first than it is for an online first to tailor themselves to the, to the latter. Um, but if you've got 60, 70, 80% of Exactly. If most of your team, if it was a scrum team and most of your people are in that room, is that fair? What if it's the other way around? What do you mean? What if 60, 70, 80% of people aren't in that room? Well, that's just, well then that, for me, that's different. That's basically more of an online meeting. And for me, I'd probably almost say to those twenty percent, don't come together. Yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? Because you don't. It's, it's, it, we're in that flexible working space now, where we want to accommodate all different types of working environments. But it's where do you? Where do you, as a facilitator, can you, can you please both parties? Well, I'll tell you what was really interesting for me, as someone who didn't really have an agenda here, my prime agenda was to facilitate a workshop. That's, that's what I was employed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so everybody was asked to come in mm-hmm to do this workshop and people travel from quite a way yeah and what I was unaware of until I was there was that there had been quite a big debate about the whole hybrid working environment mm-hmm. and a lot of people were saying do you know what over the last two years I've, I've, I've grown to quite like working from home mm. on the whole not 100% obviously 
but on the whole, most people say I, I quite like the whole mm-hmm. remote working mm-hmm. side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I was completely unaware of that. But at the end of the workshop, when we when we did a bit of evaluation, we did a bit of feedback. Overwhelmingly, without asking the question, I didn't ask the question, how would this have been if this had been remote? The feedback was, we would not have got anywhere near the value mm-hmm. if this had been a remote session. Yes. As we did by being here. And in a, in a completely different company, because it's the, the, unrelated to what you just said, I know that an, another Scrum Master had the same reaction from his team when he had to coax his team in for a retrospective and a stand-up. Because um, I think they were going through some kind of issue, some kind of problem that they were trying to sort out on a mirror whiteboard. But they said, let's just come into the office. And they, they all openly said in the retro, that's the best retro we've ever had. Well, that's not true. It's the best retrospective we've had for two years. Mm-hmm. And that's the best daily stand-up we've had for two years. And why? It's because we were all in the same place at the same time, mm-hmm. in, a, in a physical location. And, they, and that's not... I don't think that's a coincidence. I think that's quite natural. Yeah. And I know, it, it, for, I know that some people will find that uncomfortable, but in terms of the, the output you gain, even if personally I found it quite difficult, quite, quite challenging, even if I don't feel I've contributed that much, the team, the overall outcome, I think has been more successful. Mm. And I haven't seen many situations where I, I found teams that have said, you know what, I think we've, we've, we've done this better because we're online. That's a good point. I've never heard anybody say that. No. Never heard that. This has gone better because we were all on our own machines. I've it? heard people say, it hasn't gone that bad. <laughs> it's not as though, bad as I thought it would be. Yeah. yeah. I've never heard people say, it's been better because. Yeah. That's a big difference, isn't it? Mm. But yeah, I think yeah, it's all down to, it comes back to, back to Pear's question is, I think online working I can really only talk from my perspective it is exhausting it's harder work I think we can I think we expend less energy if we're face to face because we're not working as hard our brains aren't working as hard because the um, the little head tilts and the eyebrow raises we're not working as hard to watch them Mm. so we can we have more energy to give so I'm not saying that's the answer to Pear's question, is it's just whether you're online or not. But um, I think being online has, has sapped people's energies quite a lot. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised to know that it's taking energy to get back to where we used to be face to face. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's fair. Yeah, we haven't given a huge amount of context because we weren't given a lot of context, but it's completely understandable for situations where we are remote, where we are relying on asynchronous communication to, for things to drag on longer, mm-hmm. to take longer. And okay, yes, I have a particular penchant for quicker and more efficient progress, but generally speaking, I think the majority of people would prefer to have a quicker answer than a slower answer. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's 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 natural. Um, yes, there are ways that we can mitigate that, 
in the online world. Uh, but I think it's really interesting to see the comparison now that there are the opportunities to, to get together again. Yeah, yeah. You can compare a lot more easily, can't you? Yeah. Yeah, it's true. So we're, we're going to have a, a chat on Discord... Yes. With our... Legends. With our legends. What day are we going to do that? Wednesday... Thursday the 24th, is it? I think Thursday the 24th. That would be correct, Jeff. Thursday the 24th of March, so... Yes. About a week's time. Yeah. Um, Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us. Thank you to Julia, Rich and Francesco and amongst other people. And... uh, I've got an empty glass almost. Empty glass for cheers. Cheers all. Cheers all.